Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Evolving Engineering and Construction Brands podcast with your host, Matthew Winkelstein. Today, I'm joined by repeat guest, Hugh Seaton. Hugh, welcome. Matt, thanks for having me. Absolutely. So last time we had you on, you gave us a good career history and talked a little bit about some technology that was coming up in construction since then, or you probably had that title before you were the CEO of the link. And the link is a software that combines cutting edge data, science, artificial intelligence, years of testing and refining to ensure that teams get what they need when they need it in the most useful form possible. The reason why I wanted to have you on again was to talk about something very specific. You had a LinkedIn post, and last time we talked a lot about the labor shortage and my passion around trying to solve that, and your passion around trying to solve that, and also just trying to bring the construction industry forward generally. And so when I saw your post, it really hit me between the eyes because I hadn't realized some of these things. So I'm going to go ahead and read the post real quick. And then from there, we can just start to have a conversation about it. And I think our audience is going to gain value in this because... You'll hear, you've heard me talk about how I believe companies need to solve it. And then you're going to talk, you talk about the same thing from a technology standpoint. And then hopefully you can come away with this with some opportunities to look at technology and also look at programs to help attract talent. Sounds good. So your post said, the labor shortage has more than one cause. Ultimately, we need to have people to have workers. And there's nothing that is easy There's nothing as easy to see coming as demographics. This chart shows the proportion of our population that is in each five-year bucket. Notice that after the year 30 to 35-year-old bucket, it drops, then drops a little more dramatically. We are never going to have as many people at the prime of their working lives as we do now. I want to repeat that sentence. We are never going to have as many people at the prime of their working lives as we do now. Everything we throw at this problem, like campaigns to get people excited about construction, are valuable, worth doing, and will not fix the problem. Just minimize it. Process redesign, technology, and other innovations are the only way to keep up with demand. So that sentence I repeated, that one, I think I've heard people talk about this generally, but I haven't actually seen statistics on it and seen the demographic and the way this stacked chart, it's it's pretty eye-opening when you see the bottom gets smaller than the top. And from a construction person, you're like, those aren't some good looking numbers. That's right. <laughs> when did you first become aware of this, of the demographic challenge? And how do you believe that construction companies need to start to think differently than just programs and attracting talent? So actually, I worked on the 20, the 2000 census when I was at Sony. I didn't work on the actual, but I used the, num- the numbers and the data as part of a marketing and analysis exercise. So demographics, it's not like I spend a lot of time on it, but it's something I've been aware of for a while. Every country goes through a process where you have too many kids then you fix some basic things and suddenly you, ha- you don't have enough. It usually takes two, three generations and then you, and you get there. And the entire world is there with, with a couple of exceptions. So you, it's really extreme in some places like Japan and Germany. And actually South Korea apparently is, is particularly bad, but it's true everywhere. For decades, we've had immigration make up some of that difference. And there just aren't places to immigrate from. It may not feel like it right now. We've got a lot going on our southern border that might make it feel like this is a problem of too many people, but pretty quickly it's going to turn around. And it's not like this is a guess. That's That was the point where demographics are funny because a 20-year-old was born 20 years ago. Like the cohort of people that are 20, that are 20 now, it's not like they snuck up on us. So the thing about demographics is it's really important to, to know what's coming and not get distracted by where you are now. And that's where, I, where, my, where my point was that we right now, this cohort, this group of five-year kind of age bands 
is the biggest that will come. And there are, nobody's having children. It's not, wow, there's a bunch coming at some point. So we, we have to deal with the fact that the current labor shortage is the best we're going to have ever. I think that there's a big turn away from college. We, we're starting to see that where between the expense and the, the ability to pay it back and being saddled with hundreds of thousands in debt, it's likely that we'll see more people move towards the trades, but it's coming from a smaller base. So ultimately, no matter what we do, the number of people you're pulling from is so much smaller that even if we double the percentage of people that go into the trades, you're still going to have a problem. And engineering and construction in particular have been slow to move anyways, because these demographic issues tail or come at the same time as we've been talking about the shifting in the demographics where you're having a younger generation come in and older leadership that had all the knowledge walk out the door, particularly in the trades. And so that seems like a slow moving iceberg that we're just slamming into right now. How do you think construction companies and the industry as a whole prevents themselves from once again, going to this iceberg that we can all see coming, although slowly? It's important to know that everyone I've talked to in a contractor knows this. Mm -hmm. they, they're feeling it right now. I talked to some folks I know at one of the larger electrical contractors. And it's been years that they've been dealing with a version of this. So yeah, it's a slow moving iceberg, it, but it's one that they've been seeing. Like it's, they did see it coming. It's not like people were sitting on their hands. They've been talking about recruitment drives. People have been doing recruitment drives. Um, I think that the recruiting is, is about as good as it's going to get. And maybe some uptick because again, the, the cost of, of college might wind up, university may wind up driving more people to the trades, which I think it should. But I think that there's not a ton more they can do there. I think this is going to be enough of a crisis. Now, admittedly, it won't be like a moment, but it's going to get to the point, or it is getting to the point, where you're seeing people say, we need to ad adopt technology, but more importantly than that, rethink our process. I think that the way we build is going to become a little bit more different building to building than maybe it is now. And it's already happening. So that you're saying, can we build certain things more efficiently than we build other things? Again, people are doing this now. It's very smart people running a lot of these companies. But I think that's going to be a big driver of both tech, tech adoption as well as process change because you're just not going to have a choice. And it isn't just that you don't have people. What really happens is you have people with less experience. So how am I getting a PM with 10 years or five years experience instead of one with 20? And what does that mean in terms of their ability to make effective decisions and handle complexity? Right. That's where software and technology can help is someone who maybe doesn't have the same depth of qualification can handle the same level of complexity because you've taken some of the workload and automated it or, you know, you're using software to help handle it. It's so interesting to hear you say that I was just oddly at um, a tailgate this past weekend and was talking to a person that we tailgate with and he has a security company, a local one that provides security for the big events, right? So it's mostly off-duty police officers, retired police officers, retired military. And he's just sold his business and he was talking about some of the challenges. And he said, you know, there's there's people that walk through my door right now that we're glad to hire that 15 years ago, there's no way I would ever give them an opportunity. They'd have to have some crazy story for me to give them an opportunity. And these are people that we're pursuing now. And he said, that was my cue. It's time for me to hang this up. And that, that's why I got rid of the company. I've all, I've heard about this in construction for a while, right? Now you're starting to hear about it in these other areas. And it was fascinating for me to hear you say that you're hearing a lot of people address it. Cause I'm seeing it. I'm hearing slightly different things where it's, 
yes, there's an acknowledgement of it, but people are slow to want to do the big things that are going to make an impact with almost this tacit, it'll get better in the future. And then I also see people slowly trying to address it, but at the same time, because they have such good pricing power, they're not in that much of a hurry to be able to address this stuff either because they're just doing less projects at a higher margin now. It's a complicated story, right? It isn't just demographics. Also, COVID accelerated some retirements. There are certain social things going on with the opioid and, uh, crisis and so on that pull people out of the, the market that should be in it. What I meant, though, is I've come across a lot of companies that are doing recruitment. They're doing various things. Rather than doing less and getting more money, I haven't come across that so much. It's God bless who you're, you, you've got who can do that. Most companies are are taking whatever they can because they're they remember lead years. Yeah. So then they're like, how do we how do we get people to actually execute these jobs? But also, senior leadership is usually looking two or three years out at least, if not longer, and they're saying, how are we going to handle when we know that there's a bunch of fifty year olds and 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 older who are retiring? What what are we going to do about that? And you hear about it all the time. So I think again, ultimately, we're going to have to think how we build certain things, and and I think some. Um, some types of building will be more automated than others. Um, I don't know. I, to be honest, I, it's hard to predict which will be, but I certainly think things like hotels where it's more, a little bit more and, and maybe hospitals where it's a mit, little more amenable to industrialized construction, just easier to get certain staff, I think, to be able to handle that kind of thing than someone who really knows the complexity and all the knock-on effects on it in the field. So uh, let's say for the conversation's sake, it's, you're talking to someone that maybe they've really tried to address this on the attraction side. They've tried to address this on making sure they have good leaders. They've really handled on the HR side and haven't really done too much to address it on the actual work process side. What are a few of the uh, largest areas you've seen impacts where it makes the job more efficient and or it allows that knowledge transfer to happen more seamlessly? Knowledge transfer is a tougher one. I'll start with how people have and are trying to get more out of the work people that they have. In other industries, what people have done is task analysis and say, all right, what have I got this person doing? Let's start with the dumbest thing they're doing, whether it's writing a report that is useful, but we, maybe you could automate half of that. Are there tools that can make it so that instead of having to type and write 800 words, they can just type a few things? And ChatGPT is an easy example of where I think you're going to see not particularly that product, but things like that. I say they're dumb because they feel dumb and repetitive, but they're necessary for the operating of the business. But I think you're going to pull a lot of admin away from people that are highly qualified. That would be my blanket statement is something like a fifth to a third of the time of most people in a construction company is, is admin related, according to Dodge and some other things I've seen. I think if you can pull that away, you're immediately getting 20% to 30% of your workforce back. It's hard to do it quite that completely, but if you start chipping away at it, that's a big deal. Do you really need to have a senior PM filling certain things out versus just eyeballing them and approving them? <laughs> I think that you're going to find that's an area where there's a lot of efficiency to be gained. Things that actually relate to working, putting work in place is always harder because there's, that's where all the variables come together and, all the, and a lot of the risk kind of coalesces that if you mess that up, that's what you have trouble with later. So I think that the, one of the last things to truly be affected is the final part of putting work in place. I think that instead of upgrading or, or automating parts of that, we'll just change the way work gets put in place. That's why I think that industrialized construction for some building types, 
you'll see more adoption. It's really tough to get that scale. How do you build a factory that'll have enough demand for whatever you're pumping out? But I have a feeling that's getting figured out in some interesting ways, a little more of a supply chain play than it is a, a factory play. That I think you'll find also, you get a lot more with fewer people because you're not changing how you put work in place, you're changing the work that gets put in place. Like you're changing the fundamental thing that gets done. So some of it can be done with a less skilled workforce in a controlled environment put in pl- and then shipped and put in place. So I, I like everyone's been saying that for years, but I think that the pressure of both of economics, of safety, of risk are going to make that more and more something people are hungry to do. Okay, so let's an, another little snare here. So you're getting ready to start a con, an, an industrial construction company, right? Not necessarily building universities, hospital. Maybe you're in the power sector, so it's not. You've already given that example. How would you address the talent problem that you know exists when you first start this company? And you're starting with no legacy, right? Because that's I think where some people struggle is they have the curse of knowledge and the curse of what was successful before, so they're reluctant to adopt some new processes. I think we can learn from how people have not done that well and how people have done that well. Mm-hmm. Um, don't hire a bunch of manufacturing people and think they can understand construction. I believe there's a company that started with a K that did a lot of that. I think you want to start with people that are have a, a lot of depth in, in construction, but are open to trying something new and maybe some tra- a little bit of training on how design for manufacturing and assembly works so that they can think that way. You definitely want to have some ma- manufacturing people but not they're not the core of what your solution is. You, you need that know-how. But I think of the two, the thing where people fail the most is they absolutely underestimate how hard it is to get to, to safely put work in place that's both efficient and doesn't create claims for you downstream. I mean, just so many things can go wrong that people that haven't done that don't appreciate. <laughs> is there anyone that comes to mind that you think is doing it right now? Or maybe a story, you, don't, you can remove the names if you want. No, I'm, I don't think they'd mind. I, Ray Boff and the team at DPR, I think. And Ray Boff comes from a, a, a manufacturing background, but he's absolutely surrounded. In fact, he's paired with Charlie Dunn. I don't want to overstate how they do their job because I've had him on, on talk to him, but I want to, again, want to be careful. But I see them doing some pretty smart stuff. They've got the support around them of people that have been putting work in place for decades. So you can really hone the skill and experience that he has in manufacturing, but surround it with the understanding of how to actually put buildings in place. So I, I see them doing some good stuff. There are probably others. I just happen to know of them. Oh, wait, one other, excuse me. Assembly OS, I believe is who they are, or OSM. They came out of shop architects in New York. And what's interesting about them is rather than saying, let's build a factory, they're saying, we're going to specify what needs to get done, at, at, designed as products, and then source it. So they're not stuck with having to build a factory. They find factories to build what they need. That's a really interesting approach. They're pretty new. They're only about a year out, but really interesting. So those are two different approaches, but very interesting to see how they're doing. Can you give us any use cases in in either one of those examples where they took a specific work process and were able to use technology to make it more efficient? I don't know it well enough, but both okay. of them are on their websites. Trust me, they got plenty to look at. <laughs> or they can probably tune into the podcast episode you recorded with them, huh? We can link to that in the show notes. Sounds good. <laughs> so we've talked a lot about the technology side. We've talked a little bit about the labor attraction side. You have a, a better grasp on both sides of this than anyone else that I've talked to. So what do you think the mix needs to be with looking at your an existing company? You obviously are having trouble attracting labor. How much are you focusing on HR and how much are you focusing on technology? Um, 
so we're a software company, so it's a little bit different because I can have things made different in a different place from where my work gets done. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier for me to find someone overseas who can do a thing or someone across the country who can do a thing. I think one of the one of the silver linings of COVID is a much bigger appreciation and, and, and openness to having people not be co-located with you. That said, some, some issues definitely in, in how we staff are getting someone who's really good. There's a real difference between someone who can build a bit and someone who is just a really good engineer. And that some of that is, is pitching. It's worth knowing that you're, the people that work for you are investing their future with you, even if it's only a limited time. They could do something else that might build their, their brand or their career. So you're pitching them just like you're pitching a, a VC or, or an angel for investment. You're asking someone to make a choice to go with you because they probably have other options. And frankly, one of the reasons we're seeing a lot more striking and a lot more union activity is because everybody doesn't have enough workers. And that means that the, the, the relative power of workers grows. So we're all going to have to deal with this. We're all going to have to be talking people into working with us, creating an environment where they feel like they enjoy working there. It's not the not the baby boomers when people were begging for jobs. It's it's it, that's an interesting point because it's September fifteenth today when we're recording this, and the UAW strike is off to a hot and heavy start. And one of the big things I've heard about the reason why they're striking is because they believe that they'll be out of jobs in the near future if they don't protect these the total number of jobs they have to build an electric car versus an ice car. And so it's, I mean, I hear that a lot. So that's the thing that it's tough for me to write in my mind is you hear, hey, AI is going to replace all the jobs, right? Now, electric cars, that's going to replace all the jobs. So is that just fear mongering or is there a true concern that technology can be so good that even with a a shrinking labor force, we would still have not enough jobs? Tesla has really automated a lot. It was interesting when they tried to do the Model 3, they over-automated and lost half a year and almost lost the company. That said, it's worth noting that the UAW is asking for up to a 30% increase in wages. So yeah, they may be saying robots and AI, but let's be honest, they're also getting paid an awful lot more. Um, So I I think there's more than one factor going on. It's worth noting also that the, the, the heritage of the UAW is protecting workers, right? So some of their need, like some of their DNA is to say there have to be X number of workers. So that may be something that they feel like they have to say especially for their older portions of their workforce. I can't speak to all of their motivations, but again, I would point out that they're asking for a lot more money. So there's more than one thing going on. <laughs> yeah, I think I heard this morning, 40% is what they were asking for. And then GM came back and said 20 something percent. It's just fascinating to me because I you, you hear all these things and it just sounds like with labor, with the economy, with everything, it's a bunch of mixed messages and people, depends on who you listen to of what you think the future is going to look like. That's right. And we just don't know. The reality is that AI was at one place in October of last year, and in November, it was an entirely different one. What they've done with large language models, they were around for since 2017, but they just weren't that useful unless you had a big team to do something with them. And immediately, uh, OpenAI created something called reinforcement learning with human feedback that made them useful for everyday startups like myself. That was a step change in the quality of AI we don't know if the paper's been written yet, what that is going to lead to the next big advancement. One will come. We've got a million engineers working on AI. There will be another thing. 
This has been a fascinating conversation. And I asked this last question now, the closing question is, what do you have to be optimistic about? And so I normally just ask people generally, I feel like there's a lot of doom and gloom and fear mongering around both of these subjects. So why don't you leave us with something to be optimistic about around technology and construction? I will say the top line is we will figure this out. The the the, the process of doing so is not going to be quick and linear. You're not going to say, oh, we got it. It'll be more like we're going to look back in five years and say, okay, we're in a better place than we were. Um, I think that it, there will not be a, a big bunch of people out of work. I think that we will figure out that the process side, I think, honestly, construction is due for a process review like manufacturing got in the early 90s, and it utterly transformed the entire sector. And I think we'll see that too. So I am optimistic. I think that it might not be pretty to see, but I think we're going to get somewhere pretty good. And, and it's going to be a fun place to be when we get there. Hmm. I'd be, I'd love to talk about that in another episode, what drove the manufacturing. Cause I, I assume it was some combination of private equity and something that was driving yeah. more of it, or it was just manufacturers decide that said they needed no, to review processes. It was the Japanese. Jap the Japanese ate our lunch in the 70s and early 80s. We said, oh, that's a good idea. Let's go do that. But while we were at it, the, the, the breaking up of conglomerates also led to the reinvention of the corporation and focus on the core and all these other. So there's a whole wave of process redesign in the beginning of late 80s, early 90s that led to it. But you're right. That's a whole podcast of its own. Can't wait to have that one. So before we sign off here, how can people get in touch with you? How can people get in touch with the link? What projects are you interested in supporting? So we are focused on commercial construction. PMs are our favorite people. You can find me on LinkedIn, Hugh Seaton. The link.ai is our website. And I, this is my favorite topic, talking about AI and what I think is happening. I've actually got a number of contractors that said, hey, can you talk to our team any day? I get so much value talking to real people about how this may or may not impact their job. That my favorite topic. So reach out to Hugh, even if you don't have something, he can help you help you figure out what's next. Thanks for doing it again. You really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt.